Now, I know what you're thinking. Rom-com gents, obviously it's a sports podcast. We care about the ESPN crowd more than any. We are big tennis fans. I'm, I'm sorry, I can't do this. Uh, we, we like sports as much as the next person, but, uh, you know, we were, at least I was. I know Kelly's all over this movie, and he loves it, and for good reason. Uh, it's just uh, sports is not really, you know, my bag. Um, but I'm here to say, I'm so happy to say that this is a perfect blend of a sports movie with the rom-com. It's not a sports movie that's kind of romantic. It's not a romantic movie that has a sports scene in it like Two Weeks Notice. That's got a great tennis scene. But this is a 50-50 sports rom-com, and it's charming as hell. Paul Bettany, hello. So if you like sports... Don't worry, it's got romance. If you like romance, have some sports with your meal. It's going to be nice. It's Paul Bettany, Kirsten Dunst, Sam Neill, and Wimbledon. (laughs) Point song. Match point grave. <laughs> no, no, no. That, you you see it. It hit the line. It hit the line. Have you played tennis before? <laughs> no. Not even in like high school gym? I one time went out and hung out with my friend and she brought a tennis racket uh-huh. and she's like, here, just hit it back and forth with me. I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like she was so bored. She's like, um, maybe you could play. And I'm like, no. <laughs> That's that's too bad. There's nothing like playing with like a sport that you're good at with someone who sucks at it I, and vice versa. I will always be happy that my neighbor was very patient with me as a basketball player because I really liked basketball, uh-huh. but um, I was not a live youth and my neighbor was the kind of person who'd be on a basketball team. Sure. I'm the kind of guy who watches... Uh, on the stands with hot dogs. In I his feel hands. like if you dedicated a little bit of time, you would have been a good center. I I could have. I I I very easily could have, but uh, wasn't in the cards. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, in watching this, it kind of brought me back to I used to play with our old friend, friend of the show, Dara. Mm. Um, when we were roommates, we used to go hit it around, and there's just to me, there's something rhythmically. Med- meditative about it a little bit yes and it, it is it's like a metronome of sport yeah and, and i know that's like ugh, a really obvious thing to say but i it's what made me really like the opening to today's movie wimbledon i really like that wimbledon makes tennis exciting uh-huh. <laughs> have you have you ever like watched tennis i've always watched a little and i always like when serena's on i'm like yeah i'm gonna watch this because she's like a specimen of mm. pure athleticism. I used to like watching Agassi. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if I, if I got myself revved up enough to care about a specific person, I would like watching tennis more than I do. Yeah. But if it's on, I would rather watch it than certain other sports. Well, like I th- bowling. I think I bowling can be good too. You ever watch perfect game and bowling? Whew. That's a movie. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, this movie is great because the sport is made, you get the rhythm of what, or at least I was 
I believe I understand now the rhythm of a really exciting tennis match yes. and what makes it suspenseful and exciting. Mm-hmm. You know what? Let's let's jump into the story and we can talk about it. Okay, let me tell you a story. Tell me a story, Turk. Let me tell you a story about love, D'Artagnan. I ask you about love, probably quote me a sonnet. I'm not much more than an interpreter and not very good at telling stories. That's the end. What do you mean that's the end? That's not. It's the beginning of something interesting. Listen, that's the end of that saga. The end. We meet Paul Bettany, and he's a naked man, run out of money, and he gets picked up by Heath Let. No, 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 sorry, no, sorry that wrong is a movie. different British movie with wonderful British people. But uh, we did love him in A Knight's Tale, and let me say, it is good to have him back. Oof, mm, yummy. What well, I went wrong about the view. <laughs> I, I think Paul Bettany is one of my five favorite male actors. Okay top five okay yeah i see your paul bettany and i raise you with a sam neil is here too lizzie sweetheart what the heck are you doing yes we've got sam neil we've got chris Kirst, kirsten kirsten dunst you're exceeding my expectations um, john, john favreau. favreau which is where he met paul bettany and later made him the vision well 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 if this works out do i get the you can uh, have 10 percent of our kids <laughs> <laughs> also okay. james mcavoy's yeah. here you should be ashamed of yourself yeah, but curiously, I'm not. Can we say that Professor X, uh, Happy Hogan, Vision, uh, Jamie Lannister, mm-hmm. uh, uh, like... Uh, Theoden King! The- Wait, Theoden's in this? Yeah, that's his dad. Oh, are you serious? Yeah. Everybody's in this movie. Oh, I'm sorry. Some of you may know Theoden King actually as the captain from Titanic. Oh, that's right. Robin yeah. and I were were looking at it, and we were like, "We know him." It's because he doesn't have a beard yeah. in this one. He needs Theoden King announced in front of him. <laughs> he needs to say something to the effect of, "Where was Gondor? Where was Gondor when the Westfall fell?" Where was Gondor? So yeah, James McAvoy is the most surprising one. I was like, "This seems like kind of below you." I think he was just about. This to is two thousand four. He was just about to blow up as a yeah. big leading man. Yeah, um, and and I like it. I like that we have this as like a template for look at all these people that came before. Look at all these people who are going to be big after. Yeah, and so uh, Paul Bettany is playing tennis at not Wimbledon or is it? Is it the very beginning of Wimbledon? No, 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 no. It's the, um, it's like the end of some tournament. Okay. I don't know what that is. And he's doing okay. Uh, but he's like, I'm a 111th. And why is that such a big deal? 119th. Yeah, yeah. He's like, that's, oh, no, no. Yeah. And yeah. What was it? What do people keep mistaking it for? Uh, well, at one point in time, he was ranked 11th in the world. And people keep saying, oh, that guy was ranked 15th in the world at one point. He's like, like, 11th. <laughs> yeah, I would totally do that, too. And, and we really get inside his head where he's he's playing against like this young kid and he's feeling old at 32, yeah. which made me feel old yeah, at 35. Totally. And he, we get that he, I like getting this inside, not baseball, but tennis, mm-hmm. look at his thoughts where he's like nervous about becoming washed up and how how bad it is to be thinking about so many other things in the sport rather than the sport you're playing. Yeah. There's nothing to throw you off your game, like focusing on what you shouldn't be. Yeah. And I feel like, like this is very 2004 about its camera work sometimes where it's It's like, like, I'm going to focus on his face. But in so far as it did that, I liked it. Yeah. 
for being weird and getting us into his head. It, it was us, effective. It gets us into his head and it gets us into the game. Because mm-hmm. we're like, oh yeah, action time. Yeah. Here comes that tennis ball. It's going to hit you in the nards. And it's a good mixture. The the tennis, like, because I'd say this movie is pretty much a straight up and down 50-50 rom-com sports movie. Yeah. Um, there, There is, when they shoot the sports, it is 50-50 slow motion tension building narrated by Paul Bettany shots. Yeah. Or him actually playing tennis. He had to learn to play tennis for this movie. And he said it was like one of the dullest experiences. <laughs> but he had to get kind of good at tennis to play this film. Yeah. And you can see it in in the filmmaking here by our good friend Richard the Lion Crane. <laughs> How the hell did the director of Five Flights Up direct such an amazing movie? This is what I was talking about during that episode. This movie is like I I want to say this movie is great. This movie almost. is a fantastic movie. It's fantastic. I felt so good after watching this and I felt so uh, <laughs> after watching Five, Five Flights, Flights Up. Up. The direction here is incredible. I don't I don't get it. And it makes me want to watch Richard the 3rd, which he directed before this. Maybe maybe he Benjamin buttoned his career <laughs> yeah. where it just gets better the further back you go. Right. You know? Because the the directing in in this movie is the sports sequences are really good. The tennis sequences are really fun and you like I was like the last match I was oh like Oh my gosh. <sighs> yeah, because because I I also think that the tension in whether he wins isn't a sure thing. Yeah. Because he's also Paul Bettany is also having a an emotional and kind of like existential kind of journey where if he did lose, maybe he would still win emotionally. Right. right? Like he could totally lose the game, but win the war. And we still want him to win the game, though. But since we know that it's a possibility he'll lose, that it makes it more tense. Yeah. And uh, the acting is brilliant. Like yep. this director clearly knows what to do with these people. Yep. Uh, the script is great too. The mm-hmm. script written by no one that's important. Oh, hey, that's um, not... wait. Albert Brooks, Adam Brooks. Oh, Adam Brooks. Jennifer right. Flackett, Mark Levin. I feel like I know Mark, Mark Levin, Levin. I feel like I, I know. Where are you from? Um, Adam Project, Journeys to the Earth, Big Mouth. Oh, well, either way, well done, you guys. All across the board, everyone did <laughs> yeah. a great job. Yeah. Um, and usually you don't see that with a movie written by three people, but yeah, it, great. It's usually kind of messy, but whatever they did, maybe one guy was the tennis guy. The other person was the romantic person. The other guy was writing dialogue for Jan, John Favreau. Perhaps. <laughs> um, so what we have is he gets blown out of this tournament by this young person and nothing he can do about it because he's old. Yeah. So now he's considering taking a job as a tennis pro at a tennis club and get fawned over by old ladies. ladies. This is the beginning, though, of doing what British rom-coms generally do best. Um, have Richard Curtis show up? Well, kind of. Yes, in a manner of speaking, Richard Curtis's soul, I feel like, is in this movie because every single character feels like a character. Yeah. We meet his family. Uh, we have a... It's not a meet cute for his brother, but it's a very memorable way to meet his brother. We hear sex noises coming from the brother's <laughs> bedroom, and Paul Bettany just walks right in. Because like, he knows. Aren't you listening? No. It's sex noises in there. And we see him, uh, we see McAvoy, Mr. James McAvoy, riding a upright stationary bike, bike, stationary bike, watching porn. It's like... Paul Bettany's obviously seen him do this before. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I get it. I, I get the... Sorry, what? 
well, just the like, he needs the blood boiling, and so you you whatever, want your blood pumping everywhere, not to <laughs> one specific spot. I feel like when you're riding a yeah. bike, yeah, I don't think it's a good idea, but I get it. You get it, yeah. yeah no, I get you. And maybe he's multitasking, yeah, right? You know exactly. Um, and we meet his parents, Eleanor Braun and Theoden King. Theoden King. Where was Gondor? Bernard Hill. Yeah, and they're having troubles. Yeah, and I I love where this puts us because the mom is like a everybody be proper mom, mm-hmm. which means that she's not going to talk about mm-hmm. certain things. And apparently she just like cheated with the dad in a parking lot by making out with this guy, but she just did it to make the dad jealous. And he's having like a midlife crisis of his own. And so he's moving out into like the, the tree, house. the tree house. And it's just like, this is a family. Right yeah. Here. And you, you just see Paul Benton be like, my family is toxic. And I'm yeah. stuck with my toxic family. Yeah, but at the same at the same time, I like how bald faced this movie is. Where Paul Bettany's like, you know, I've never really wanted for anything, as you can see from my house. Yeah, like, my family is pretty rich. Yeah, like and and the exterior makes it look really swank, but once you get in there, it's like it's, oh, you're not. It kind of feels old money ish. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, where they're not super rich, but he's never had. He's never wanted. Yeah, he's not. He's not desperate. Like the reason for him to win is not like I need that championship winnings because I'm like flat broke. Right. That's not a right. problem he has. What on the other side of things, like his his counterpart with uh, Kirsten Dunst, she, as we get, kind of came from a like a lot less. Like her mom was a failed musician. Yeah. And her dad would just like like tried to get her into tennis, and so she's gone on this road and gotten to this point. So she's hungry all the time. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And she's very hungry, and it's a classic dad coach relationship, right? Which we see these all the time. Yeah, like the protective dad coach. And it's funny, we, Robert and I weren't quite sure whether Sam Neill was going to be the villain dad mm-hmm. or just like a protective dad. And I like that I was kept on my toes about it. He got the least courtesified treatment, which is unfortunate. Cause I think they could have really like given yeah. him some rounding out at the end. It was enough, but I wish there was more. I would have liked more of a conversation between him and Paul Bettany rather than like, like I would have liked to see them go out for a pint. Yeah. You we'll, know? we'll get to, to their relationship. So, it's so can you explain Wimbledon Wimbledon to me? Is it like there's the the girls side and the boys side and then there's like the big championship match for both? So I think I mean somebody is gonna correct me if I'm wrong about this, but there's singles and so there's um men's singles and women's singles, mm-hmm. right? And then there's uh doubles uh, and then there's mixed doubles. Oh, okay. So I do think there's like some some co ed going yeah. on, but there's basically a bunch of different places where these people are playing all throughout this week of Wimbledon. And it's probably longer than a week. I don't even know. But um, the most important matches are going on inside the stadiums and the least important ones are going on on the outside. I really liked that visual cue of we see the big... The big place where we all feel like the big championship is, and it's like, and did then you it know? Zooms over. There's other shittier matches happening <laughs> yeah. right now, and um, that's where our hero is. Imagine it was really good filmmaking. I was just imagining like if there there are other sports that do this, um, but I was loving the idea that if golf did this, it's like. <laughs> 
okay, the great the the people who are winning get to go play on this like really nice golf course, and the people that are losing get to go play on this like putt putt over here. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> totally. I'm trying to remember if there. I feel like that's a very vivid other element in another sports movie where it's like there's a lot more going on than we give credit for to this sport thing. Like, is it football, soccer? Maybe soccer tournaments can be like this. Soccer tournaments are definitely like this, having played in quite a few of them. Where it's like the really good teams, they're they're the big stadium. There's Well, there's usually, usually that doesn't happen. Usually it's like everybody is playing everywhere Mm -hmm. um, over the course of these fields. And then the, all the championship games are being played at these center fields. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of these games, Paul Bentney is not in the center field. He is on the outskirts. And we get that he is the like this is his last tournament. He's like, I'm done after this. Yeah. And every time he's, he's like going to announce this, like they're paying attention to another tennis person. He's Mm. just basically forgotten. Yeah. And it sucks to be there. Yeah. So he goes to the hotel where, you know, it's going to be his last tournament and they give him like a really swanky suite. And he's like, "Uh, are you sure? And they're like, blah, 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 go away. And so he goes upstairs, (laughs) walks in and who should be naked in a shower, but miss, Kirsten Dunst herself. And great meet cute because usually what we get in this scene is somebody covering up. Yeah. And she just like sees him out there and she's like, yo, what's up? So, hey, yeah, this is me. And he's like, ha-ja. <laughs> he has a very um, Richard Curtis-like reaction. Yeah. Very Hugh Grant, very Hugh Notting Grant. Hill or mm-hmm. Four Weddings where he's like, I am, I'm awkward, but I'm also adorable by being awkward. Yes, very much so. He he walks into the kitchen when he walks away from her rather than walking to the outside door. Yeah. And she, I like later on that we get the reveal that she knows who he is and she kind of like had a crush on him after he did a something yeah because it makes that scene make even more sense where she's just like oh i know you i'm not super angry at you being here yeah she's so they they get along that's a meet cute they she very much likes what she sees and And he he really really likes what he sees and they start flirting later on too um where we find i'm sorry what's jamie lannister's actor's name Nicolaj Costerwaldo. He's great. Yeah. He's like, the buddy. He's Apparently the buddy. he's German. I didn't really notice his accent. Yeah. I, I couldn't quite tell either. But <laughs> um, like we have a not bad gay best friend role yeah. right here. Um, yeah. And then like Paul, like him and Paul Bettany have just the most charming friendship mm-hmm. where they're tennis buddies, right? They do the circuit together, but they're also practice partners and they're also best friends. Yeah. And they're like there for each other emotionally. Yeah. It's a it's really a, good friendship. It's a beautiful friendship. Also, we see more of the brother and the brother just bets against his brother <laughs> in tennis. Is good. Such a bastard move, but in the context of what's going on in his career, yeah, it seems that he is He's basically paying for his life by betting against his brother. Yeah. And so we have a scene of Paul Bentney like, all right, let me just try and get it together. And so he's hitting balls against um, empty cans. Yeah. And Kirsten Dunst joins him. It's a really good flirty scene. Yeah. Real, every All the rom-com beats are done just like classic after classic of like, all right, we got yeah. the meat cute. All right, nailed that. Now we got to get him getting to know each other, flirting a little bit. Yeah. Boom. Nailed that too. And she's super forward. Yeah. And because you can, you can diverge at this point in time, you have the meet cute and then you go one of two ways in a rom-com you go, all right, we're going to double down on this. They're going to flirt and find out that they like each other and go further. 
Or you're going to keep them together while keeping them apart. Right. Like with a two weeks notice. Yeah. Right. Like he is really rich and she's really poor, but he hires her. So they kept together, but they're not dating. They're just getting closer. Yeah. Or for weddings where things get in the way, they can't quite be together, but they keep seeing each other. And so Mm -hmm. we have this flirtatiousness that is like, oh, charged. And this one just immediately gives us exactly what she want, what we want, where he ends up owing her fish and chips and then she calls him on it he goes over there and gives her fish and chips and she's like so you want to have sex she was like we're gonna doink yeah and he's like oh okay and their way that they flirt about it is really good flirting where she she proffers the idea like what do you what do you think about having sex like you know before a match is it good bad and he like is like well i haven't done a lot of research blah blah he, blah he he paul he, bettany is he a, meets her where she's at in a good flirty way yeah he always is reminding me of hugh grant but doing things that hugh grant couldn't do yeah i think they're like i would love it if hugh grant and paul bettany were rivals yeah because i don't think in a movie i could see them as best friends because they're they're almost too much of two sides of the same coin. Yeah, which is why they did a good job casting Nicolaj, yeah. um, Jamie Lannister. Yeah. Because <laughs> Jamie Lannister doesn't... <laughs> Lannister? He doesn't have the awkward charm of a Hugh Grant. He has the smoldering, you know, smolder yeah. of someone completely different. He's got some smolder, and he's got, like, that good kind of vanilla in this one, where he's got just enough smolder to be sexy and just enough vanilla to be safe. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so they doink. They doink. Him and And Kirsten then they doink does. again. Yeah. And so it's interesting that we don't see a first kiss. No. They don't even show doinking. And we, we just cut to did they or didn't they? And they did. They totally did. And I, I, I want to make an addendum to your sex essay. <laughs> sex essay. Your, your sex scene essay. Because you have a really good oh, sex yeah, yeah, scene yeah, essay right. on the Patreon. Um, I'm going to make an addendum right now. Go ahead. If you can skip ahead of a sex scene and you don't miss anything, then you don't need to show anything. <laughs> okay. You know but but okay. if you can't. If you if you are missing things, if you're skipping ahead of a uh-huh. sex scene, that means then you've got something important to say with your sex scene. Right. That's a very good, well-made point. And we don't need to in this movie. They made. I don't like. I don't need to see them doing things. Can, can I? Can I make a name for this thing that yeah. you're creating? The the, the skipping of the sex scene. Keeper. So there's this level on Donkey Kong Country <laughs> in Super Nintendo. I'm you know the one that language. I'm talking about. Yes. So it's the first railway one yes uh so you it's like the first level of the second world and instead of jumping into this cannon that will shoot you into your rail car Mm -hmm. you can just go backwards i believe it is yeah and it'll take you to the end of the level yeah that's kind of what they do with this one of the greatest easter eggs that you find on your own where you do it you're like oh my god i went backwards (laughs) i didn't mean to but then i'm done with this horrible horrible level that's so hard yeah um and i feel like this is just it's the the level skip because a really good sex scene is really hard to pull off because it can be awkward. It can be lots of different things get in the way. Yeah. And it could, it could be that like, you know, we don't, maybe, maybe they'd have great chemistry. Maybe it would ruin the magic of what we're seeing. Right. You know? And so there's, it's like, it's like that, that thing where you can see somebody, you think they're sexy. Of course you're going to see it, think they're sexy when they're naked, but you want to build that question mark a little bit yeah. more when you're attracted to them. And that's what this does is it like gives us our cake 
And then it's like, you can eat some of that too. Go yeah. ahead. So he had a great night with her. The next day he goes to his match. He's like, all right, let's face my doom. Because it's like, it's in the cards that he's going to lose. Right. And this is when he's facing that young kid. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and somehow he wins the game or well, the it's, match. It's, it's because she comes, like he's losing and then she comes and he's like, oh, I got to impress this lady. Which is a perfect beat for a sports rom-com. rom-com. Yeah. He has to impress the girl. Yeah. And things turn around for him. He does yeah. a good job. Oh, and he meets the ball boy and he's this really nice kid. Yeah. I like really it. good kid. Again, everybody's a character in this. Yeah. And the ball boy's his ball boy the rest of the time. Yeah. It's all... Oh. It's beautiful. That's great. Um, so they kind of keep talking, but we meet Sam Neill, the father, and he's like, stay away stay from away my daughter. daughter, which is a little archaic, Sam Neill, um, which, you know, you fight dinosaurs for a living. So archaic is your thing. <laughs> Good point, right? <laughs> but, you know, maybe not appropriate in 21st century society that we live in. Yeah, I think if if his daughter knew he said that, to him she wouldn't be happy with it yeah yeah but there's clearly a pattern where he's always chasing off the boys yes um yes he's he it seems like well because at one point in time he's like i know that she you know likes to have her fun and so hence Mm -hmm. that you know she's always doing this but like it feels like especially it's wimbledon so he's not going to let anything get in the way of this right now yeah um, and she's doing great too. All she's winning mm-hmm. all of her matches. Yeah, so that's great. nobody can even stand up to her. Yeah. And then does it just jump into us the the Dragomir match? Uh, which one is Dragomir? I remember he's like Dragomir. The bald, I'm like that sounds like a Game of Thrones villain. He's the bald French guy. Uh, or was that the first one? No, no, no. That's the young kid. Uh, oh yeah, I can't remember, but he gets. He basically has a string of wins, mm-hmm. and it's always before each match, he has a nice scene with her where they yes. hang out and get to know each other better. Um, it's mm-hmm. kind of all blurring together because they have just such wonderful scenes with one another. Yeah. I mean, the, like I, I think it's after he beats Dragomir that he's invited to go to... Like his his manager, his old agent John Favreau's like, I'll represent you again because you're worthwhile. Yeah. Now and uh, he's like, fine, okay. I like pitting the absolute charm of a Paul Bettany, like the the chill vibe charm, versus the insatiable greed charm yeah. that John Favreau has because John Favreau takes this role of this guy that could be very scuzzy. Yeah. And it's still like, oh, no, he's there. I, I somehow still like you. Yeah, he nails it. He's a great agent. And eventually, like Paul Bettany, it's it's during the Dragomir match. That's when he injures his back. Oh, I think that's a little later. I think that's the second or third to last match, isn't it? Oh. Because he has a he's really working through his back pain on the last match. And I think it's the second to last match that well, I thought he... the second to last match. W- oh yeah, that's against like a French guy. Yeah, that's right. Um, who he he beats because it pretty gets soundly. It gets to a midpoint where he has to face off Jamie Lannister. Right, that happens. Right, so that's that's basically where this after they go to the party at the wheel. I yeah. think is when that happens. So they go to this party at the wheel where, or the eye, the London eye. Yeah, and that's where everything comes to a head. Where it's like, okay, Paul Bettany is. 
running into Sam Neill, who's running into John Favreau, who's representing both him and Kirsten Dunst. And Paul Bettany and her have like a nice night. And he ends up punching this really Austin Nichols, who's like this American player who's seated really high. And he's yeah. like, you suck. And he's like, <laughs> you know, calls Kirsten Dunst a, a slut or something because she, like she used to sleep with him and now is not and sleeping with Paul Bettany. And Paul yeah. Bettany punches him. And I thought there were going to be repercussions to that, but I guess it's okay. Yeah. And I guess they, he beats his buddy just before this. Cause after this, they go out to the country. Yeah. yeah. There's a good pep talk that she gives Paul Bettany before he faces Jamie Lannister. Yeah. And she's like, like, you have to destroy him. Yeah. And it's like, it's going to suck, but you know, you can't take it easy because he's your friend. And if you're going to take it easy, then it, you're not going to win. I was definitely thinking about this. I'm like, I kind of want the chance for me and Kelly to go head to head at something. Oh, me too. That we would be evenly matched for. I think like film Super directing. Smash Bro- oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, Super Smash Brothers, you beat me all the time. Yeah, that's true. You're better at. But if I would love to have an Oscar year where oh, you've got a film nominated. and I've got a film, that oh. would be so great. That would be good. That's 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 a weird thing though, because that's a judge call rather than a, a one-on-one yeah. versus. Yeah. Like it's funny, yours and my skills don't match like when it comes to something where it's like v- m- person versus person like you're better at halo than me i'm better at super smash brothers than you i'm better at soccer than you i'm better at you're kissing than way- you. <laughs> <laughs> i don't want to test that with each other like what but is i know let's not test that like chess do you play chess uh you'd still win what's but- what's something what's something that we would be good at versus each other well you know it's an like interestingly match an interesting bet that took place is what? that george lucas and steven spielberg had a bet because who would win what first well star wars came out in 1977 yeah. but right around the same time close encounters was coming, coming oh out. that's a 76 70 both for 77 oh, well, and for george lucas is like no you're gonna make more money and spielberg's like are you crazy you're gonna make more money and spielberg lost the bet sure and i don't know what they bet like 800 porsches maybe but uh <laughs> I thought I heard portions. I was like, portions of what? <laughs> no, portions. That would make sense. Uh, so I don't know. I, we just need to get into a situation where we can, you know, make such bets. Okay. Yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll get there. Well, yeah. hey, starting now, I don't know what the bet will be, but for those of you keeping track out there, this is where it started. You're on 800 Porsches. I bet you. <laughs> hey, no, let's here. What? Let's make the, let's make the steaks now. Okay. A steak dinner. You said steak. It's got to be more That's than that. Two no, steaks. No, it's got to be more than that. Ten steak dinners. Ten steaks to kill vampires. Yes. Ten vampire steaks. We'll figure it out. So he destroys his friend, and then him and uh, Kirsten Dunst escape to the country. They have a wonderful night together. They go to the cliffs of Dover. They have a really great first kiss that I witness. Um, yeah. It's really beautiful. And they, they like, we get that they'd be a good couple at this point. Yes. Fantastic chemistry. There's really good filmmaking choices where there's like this comet in the sky. Oh yeah. And it's, it's been a running thing. Yeah. Very Jamie Lannister game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah. Right? This red meteor is going by. Um, and so everyone's like, Oh, it's a sign in the sky, like this beautiful thing. And I'm like, show it to me. And it, the camera still hasn't shown it. And right. there's a part where they both look at it together. I'm like, show me the meteor. I want to see they do. it, but they don't do it the first time, which is the brilliant bull. Wait, when is the first time? Okay. So the first time they look at it, him and Kirsten Dunst are like hanging out the first night together. They're hanging out. Oh, out the window. No, they're like hanging out down in the street somewhere. 
and he's like, they're like, look, it's the the first night that they're together. Not the very first okay. night, but the next night that they're hanging out where they. Oh. Okay, they're, they're doing like walking stuff. along. Yeah, the and they both look up. They're like, "Wow, look at that giant, beautiful meteor!" Okay, and they're like describing it, but it never cuts to it. Mm. I'm just like waiting for. So it. they don't do it till later when they are on the tennis court. They're in there on the tennis court, and they're talking about how he spent his childhood learning to play tennis on that tennis court. And he, they do this great thing where they're miming a tennis yeah, game with each and other. She gets him to do it. Yeah, and that's also when he breaks down and is like, "This is my last tournament." And she's like, "No, come on, man." He's like, "No." It's my, last, it's my one. last one. I'm telling you. But they, he does this thing where he's like hitting a tennis ball up he in the air. He throws it in the air. Yeah. And then he's watching it come down. And it, at first, it's really funny. But then she's like, "What are you looking at?" And then we cut. Yeah. And look at the meteor. It's a great scene. Brilliant yeah. filmmaking. Ah. Oh, and w- way to go, Richard Longcrane. What what is what is great about everything is we see them work out together. They go on a run, mm-hmm. right? Um, they have breakfast. Good for them. I would never survive in this relationship. I, I could. I, I would. I would love. I would love that. Robin, it's fine that you don't run with me, but you could because I do yoga with you. Huh? Sarah, I'm just gonna. Hey, maybe I'm just throwing that out here. Right Sarah here. refuses to work out with me. She's like, no. <laughs> um, but I like that they do because yeah, it's, it's it makes you know, it's total nice. sense and. So he kind of shows her around this place because this is where he grew up, mm-hmm. right? And she meets his brother because he's like sleeping in his flat, and his brother's like, "Change the sheets," because yeah. You know and then mean? there's some photos taken of them, and I was like, "Ooh, they're gonna pull Notting Hill, aren't they?" Yeah, they're gonna pull Notting Hill because the whole thing is they're hiding from her dad. And this is dumb that they didn't take the camera, like. Paul Bettany should have made more of an effort. It's like, come on, guys. You well, he's so not used to being an actual celebrity. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, uh, and she seemed like she wasn't focused on that right there. But it's like, hey, people out in the world, just because you can sell a photo doesn't mean you should. Well, we already know that the brother's a bastard. I know, but still. And so the next day, the brother puts some money on some some races, and they're like, where'd you get the money? He's like, photojournalism. Yeah, this and is like, James McAvoy. You're a bastard. <laughs> um, and so they figured out, Sam Neill figured out where his daughter is and goes looking for her, because she really like ran away from home. Like, yeah. they don't, he has no idea where she is, and Mr. Coachfather would have a problem with it. Yes. And so he retrieves her. It's a great scene where Paul Bettany kind of confronts the dad and he's like, well, what, what's going on? What's, what's yeah. the worry? What are you worried about? Yeah. And he's like, you're a nice guy, but like she, she has this thing where she's not focused on the match right now. Yeah. And I really like that he doesn't know she's there, but he does challenge her anyway, kind of in case she's there maybe. And then yeah. he, she pops out and she's like, no, no, I want to be focused on it, dad. Yeah. And you get that he has like a little bit of pull with her. Yeah. And it's a really well-written scene too, because he is up front with Paul Benton. He's like, look, I get it. Like, yeah. you are an okay dude. It's just not a great- you think he's just going to rail into him at first. Yeah. You think he's going to be super flat and just like, oh, I'm terrible father figure. He's like- it's Wimbledon. She needs to stay mm-hmm. focused. So kindly fuck off. Yeah. And like, I don't, I don't like that he's in charge of his daughter's life, but I also kind of see his point. And she's kind of like simultaneously pulled in by it, but is kind of like, yeah, I, he is right. I need to be more focused. And, and I never get the sense that like Sam Neill's dominating his daughter's life and she has no choice in this matter or yeah. anything, you know? Yeah, because it's a very mutual thing where she's like, I need to get back 
to work and practice. You need to focus on yourself. And there is a bit of a you're my lucky charm that the movie so slightly acknowledges because it's not that, but it's kind of that. Yeah. Uh, And, you know, when she's leaving, Paul Bettany's like, you can't just turn me on and off as like a boyfriend. And uh, that line, I I thought he should have chased after her and lost her. Mm -hmm. I didn't need that line. Yeah. I didn't need it because like, Paul, you guys like have met, had sex a couple of times. You're not in a relationship. Like if she says that she needs to maybe pick this up after the tournament, that's not, it's probably okay. I think he's, I get that he's hurt. He's, I think he's kind of acting out of an insecurity because she's from America. Like the tournament's going to end. She's going to be out of there. And so this could be it for him. Totally. I get that. So that's, that's where I saw him. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah, totally. It just felt like a it felt like one of those lines that was yeah. written to be stuffed in there yeah. rather than doesn't really, really something he would say. Doesn't hit. So that night he goes and visits the hotel room they're staying in. <laughs> That's right. First room he Cuz he wins. Yeah. He beats Tom Cavendish who's like the other British player. Yeah. And but he only does so because Cavendish is like uh, he hurts his foot and he yeah. just takes him out. He just, yeah. yeah. And so he goes and visits the hotel that night and it's Sam Neill's room. He visits first. Yeah. Fantastic rom-com beat. Yeah. Actually goes and acts. I wanted something to happen where he dropped something in the room or something and I would have to like retrieve it, but maybe that's a little too much. But, it's kind of hijinky for this film, but yeah. I would have allowed it. Yeah. And yeah. so then he goes into Kirsten Dunst's room and she's a little miffed, but then she's like, okay, stay. Yeah, she's like, oh, okay. Yeah. But... It, but, and I like this, this scene because we get like the, the tennis commentators, like John McEnroe and somebody are talking about how that one little thing, that one superstition can just like starting your day off wrong can just ruin yeah. your game. And, and they, they talk about this before where yeah. he's talking to Jamie Lannister and it's like, you got to be consistent, like whatever's working for you. And he's like, I shit the same. Like, yeah. Uh-huh, wait. Yeah. Are you supposed to do it different every time? Am I doing it wrong? No, I I, <laughs> I think maybe it's that he like he's like always always <laughs> two sheets, but just during <laughs> tennis tournaments. Yeah, <laughs> but it like it's a built quality of this script that we're already talking about a bunch of superstitions. And I totally get it, like as a creative, where it's like I try and do the same strategy every time. Yeah. Like I always set up my projects in the same exact way. I never change my underwear when I'm on set. <laughs> but I get super superstitious about things where it's like, you know, hey, you have things that are like auto saves on your editing program. Doesn't matter. I'm going to compulsively save anyways. Oh, yes. Yeah, I do that too. And yeah. that makes sense in the sports world where it's like, whatever you did that day, that's why you won. So just keep doing that thing. Yeah. And for him, it's her. It's that relationship. Yeah. And so he shows up. They have nice, sexy sex. Mm-hmm. Um, and he leaves in the morning cause he has an earlier game than she does. And he's feeling good. Yeah. And he gives her a kiss and he's like, you know, just strokes her hair and leaves. If he wanted to avoid like sending her down this rabbit hole, he, I think the only solution would have been to like wake her up, but he didn't know what it would do. Yeah. So she has a bad morning and it just throws yeah. her off and she loses. Yeah. Cause like, like a billion things happen after that, that just throws her off and she couldn't play that day. Yeah. Yeah. And so Sam Neill is obviously pissed and he's like, that's your fault. Yeah. And Paul Bettany's like, come on. Hey. Are you kidding me? 
and she's just like, I'm done. I'm out of here. Yeah. And he beats, um, he beats the, the French guy now and that's, that's who he beats. And he's just like, come on. I, he, he kind of does that thing where they're in the middle of a fight and he almost says, I love you. Mm-hmm. And she's, but she says, there's nothing I love more than winning. And he's like, don't say that. Yeah. And it's like, they're basically broken up now. Yeah. And yeah. so he goes home to see his family and here's where the movie really pulls off its Richard Curtisness because mm-hmm. in the midst of this, we've seen that Bernard Hill has been watching the games from his shitty black and white TV and the mom is not watching rightly so because she's feckin' pissed Yeah, because he doesn't want to invite them to the games. This is bad luck. And she takes that personally and who would blame her? Yeah, there's there is definitely that, and then also, but she is listening to the game from the garden. She doesn't want anyone to know. Yeah, she clearly like has said, the pride. She's, she's that that prideful, proper British person. Yeah. who she is going to break her rules, but nobody else can know. Yeah, and so the first match that Paul Bettany wins, Bernard's like, he won, he won. She's like, not listening. I don't care. I do not care. <laughs> and there's like these running subplots where there's like. A rabbit who's eating her her lettuce or something and later on when she comes up to watch the match where paul bettany beats this french guy like the something's cooking like the dad's cooking something he's like oh i killed that rabbit for you it was and it's eating like, your lettuce it, it's like and he oh, dips her in a kiss because they're so excited that their son won yeah. it's like yeah and later when paul bettany comes home like they kind of like the mom fixes the family and is like, we need to be more of a family. And it's like a really nice moment. But the best part is when the dad comes in and he's like, one of the best things that we've done was raise you and we're so proud of you. And that kind of is rekindling us. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, we are proud of you and we look up to you. And I know it should be the other way around, but it is what it is. We were on the rocks. um, But thanks to your playing this, this, this past couple weeks, you've really done something for us. And, in the hands of different actors and a different director, I feel like this could have been really dumb and cheesy. Like, but it's done so well. Yeah, where it's just like, as for, at first, I was like, "Are you? Is this just a scene where we like lionize Paul Bettany's character because we need to lionize him?" And as they go through the scene, I'm like, "No, this is a dad like really pouring his heart out here." Yeah, and that's good. And his dad gives him a hug, and this is such a good actor moment where he's like, oh, "I love you so much." Like he yeah. squeezes him, and it's very like a contagious love. And Paul Bettany's like my back and he's yeah. like, oh right 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 yeah because yeah. with the french guy he he had to win by like he already Slammed entered his back the, and he had to oh, in the yeah. stands. but paul bettany does a wonderful job with inhabiting this role right now in this moment because he's starting to realize what it means for him to play tennis and he sees what his what his playing does for his family and how it's bringing them together and how it's just a positive force of good. So he gives him the tickets. Yeah. And he's like, come along. I want you there. They're like, Oh no, no, no. He's like, no, I want you to be there. I need you to be there. They don't do this for James McAvoy. We should have had a scene where McAvoy changed his bet to his brother, not against his brother. Yeah. I think enough context clues proves that that's what's going on because at the final match, James McAvoy is like, he's winning. Yeah, it's totally. like, okay, yeah. he either didn't bet or bet that his brother was going to win. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. uh, so then he's leaving the hotel and oh, everyone yeah. in the hotel is just lined up clapping for him. Cause he's going to the, this is a very Richard big- Curtis, like British people take care of their own moment. Yeah. And 
the the if I was going to rewrite the movie, I think this movie is fantastic. I would have added a scene. Uh-huh. I wouldn't have minded it being a little bit longer. I would have added like eight scenes actually. <laughs> but very you add one scene, eight scenes. Sorry, eight scenes, very small scenes, like six second scenes, uh-huh. where we get that Paul Bettany. Like maybe every time he goes to a hotel, just because he ha- like because we we get that he hates the road kind yeah. of where he wants. There's something about Paul Bettany where he loves the game, but he's tired of the road. Yeah, like being in a different hotel, flying to a different place. Um, mm-hmm. He says it chagrined at one point in time because Kristen Dunst is like, "Yeah, that's why we do it." And he's like, "Yeah, I guess that's why we do it." Yeah, um, I would have liked it if his tradition was to get to know the people at the hotel, mm. like where he's like the, the ball, like, cause he gets to know the ball boy. Right. Yeah. And so if he's like going up the elevator with the guy who does the elevator, he's like, uh, you know, he catches his name. He's like, thank you, Rupert. Yeah. Or something that way. It's like, not only is he the Brit who's in the final at Wimbledon and it's like policy of this hotel to like congratulate them yeah. or whatever. But in addition, they would, really want to do it for him because he's been like a great guest yeah you know? yeah yeah um they don't do that no sorry anyway that was <laughs> but they they line up for him nonetheless and a, a running theme that mr johnny McEnroe comments i like having john McEnroe. it <laughs> makes sense. a lot of these he movies. needs to be in this movie <laughs> it was the obvious choice yeah he talks about how like okay it's wimbledon but it's very rare, and I don't know how often this happens, but it's very rare for the final match to be with an actual Brit playing. Yeah, it like I don't know a ton about tennis, and I know that generally it's like Russians, Americans, and like Italians? a couple other people. Yeah, that are not. Yeah, that are not Brits. <laughs> yeah, so, but nonetheless, it's a very good thematic thing that they built up, where it's like he beat another Brit, and there was this like. Paul Bentley felt bad. He's like, shit, now because that, Britain's going to lose Wimbledon because I beat the guy who's clearly better. Right, because that was the guy that got injured. And that guy could have like won it all for us. And now I'm going to let the whole nation down yeah. because they're all they're going to be counting me. And that's a lot riding on his shoulders. Yeah, but yeah. nonetheless, they're so proud that he got there and they're very just proud of him and what he's done. And you can see it in his, there's a humble eye to him where he's really like soaking this in and taking it on and i love yeah, it. yeah and i it's that also that really good british thing of like soldiering soldiering on even though you know you you might lose yeah you know because he's like this guy's way better than me and like i'm gonna try my darndest but i'm probably not gonna win. yeah and i love the guy who's like we're all rooting for you and then he leaves and he's like i don't even like tennis yeah. that's totally me <laughs> and then uh we got his buddy um there nicolaj uh he is He's there with Paul Bettany in the, um, you know, the uh, the locker, locker room, room, bumping him up, and he goes out there, and for the first, oh, well, before this, he gives an interview beforehand where he apologizes yeah. uh, to Kirsten Dunst like over the TV, basically. I didn't quite get what he was apologizing for, none the like specifically. Well, I think like he knows that he ruined her day. Yeah, but the, he. I made, still don't think he did though. <laughs> yeah i yeah i don't know but there's this thing that he says where like some of the papers are saying that she like messed up something for me and i was like we never saw that yeah i'm like i don't know where you're coming from but go on yeah and he does like i think these scenes can be really cheesy if it's like i'm taking this moment to in my interview to say i love you person 
And yeah. And then, you know, but like, I really like that. He just says like, sorry. And he's like, that's all I came here to say. And I thought it was gracefully done. Yeah. And then Sam Neill's like, Hey, Kirsten Dunst, you should be watching this. She already sure is. He is. What that scene should have been is. Mm, are you going to rewrite the movie? Okay. I'm going to rewrite the movie. You write your first draft with your heart and you rewrite with your head. What it should have been is Sam Neill is like, come on, and brings her to the match and not drags her, but it says, we're not getting on that plane and we're going to see his match. I'm going to bring you guys back together. Yeah, again, I would need that scene earlier in the movie with him and Paul Bettany having a beer, I think. There is a scene where Paul Bettany is watching her match with Sam Neill, who's watching a rerun of it. Oh, yeah, that's and right. He's like, the one she, she drops loses. her arm too early, and Sam Neill's like, fuck, he's right. It's yeah. like, well, doesn't make a whole lot of difference now because she's out of the tournament. <laughs> yeah, uh, but but that's something that like it's game-recognized game at that point in time because yeah. Paul, if Paul Bettany can see that, then he can see things clearly in Sam Neill's mind. Yeah, but how good of it would have it been if Sam Neill, because Kirsten Dunst shows up yeah. at the big match, and it's like a big, like, it's the scene that they need to have at the end of a rom-com where they yeah. get back together and all that, and he gets the, you know, the that Space Jam feeling of, like, the lucky juice or whatever they call that, where he's like, I can do this. Um, but how great would it have been if Sam Neill was coaching Paul Bettany? And Sam Neill is like, this guy's like, I like that I, Kirsten I see, Dunst is telling him about the tells. Mm-hmm. Give that to Kirsten Dunst, but have Sam Neill there as just like a moral support of a coach. Okay. I'm I'm on board for that. I I don't think I need Sam Neill being the one that drags her there. I think that that's a little Not too cheesy drags for her, me. But but is the it's still too cheesy for me. But I like I like him following her back, not necessarily wanting to be there with him but then begrudgingly coaching him it would be it would just be such a warm moment for me if he was like if they because like it would be their reconciliation yeah it'd be the way that they can connect it would be over tennis it wouldn't be about anything else yeah i i'm here for that i i think it could be done pretty cheesily (laughs) but yeah i i get you my rewrite only has one scene yours has six so (laughs) okay but they were a lot shorter (laughs) um so paul bettany loses the first half sucks he gets dominated then it rains though luckily yeah and i like how he's like lying there and they're like get up you gotta get up we're we're moving we're we're covering the 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 field um, the field and you know john favreau's there and he's waving an american flag and a and a um great britain flag this is also really good sports filmmaking uh where we see all these different things happen in this match and they're teaching us because we see him like hit the like we see the opponent hit the net twice in a row mm-hmm. for his serve, yeah, and then we're like, oh, okay, so that means he lost this set because yeah. of that. It's funny, like I know that about tennis, but, but I had no idea. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. so there's lots of little things where I'm like, okay, and so when we get to the climactic action where it's like, okay, this is the big one, and he misses the first, yeah, yeah, and we're like, oh no, and I knew, I knew. Like if he hits that net again, then it's over. he won't win. Like yeah. I just figured it would reset. And Game over, man. Game yeah. over. And so great filmmaking again. Yeah. Really good filmmaking. Um, then Kirsten Dunst gives him the pep talk and they make up and it's really sweet. Mm-hmm. It's nice. And she's, she kind of gives him the tools he needs to start his comeback. Yeah. And it just builds from there. Like he goes yeah. back out there. 
he's given the tools, but like it's paced so well that he doesn't just automatically come back and win. He like evens things out and then it's just a battle. Yeah. Um, and it's just good sports filmmaking the rest of the game. And she's watching him and it's like, it's that added element that's like, and, and it's romantic because like she's watching him and he sees her and it's this, it's, it's like just adding enough, it's peppering up in enough romance into the sports that it's like, okay, you still belong in the genre here. And then I like when he finally wins, it's a great win, but the choice to have him run up to his family first yeah. and hug them yeah. is, I think, the best move because it makes me so much on Paul Bettany's side. Yeah. Where it's like mom is like, you're so not retiring and Theoden's like, leave alone. <laughs> yeah. And then he goes and has a kiss. And then we, we get the- With Kirsten Dunst, not with, his mom. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but then we get the Notting Hill ending mm-hmm. where, where it's like they have with kids the family. and they're playing tennis. Yeah. Uh, and then we're out. And the whole movie has existentially at this point in time been like, Paul, Paul Bettany doesn't want to go become a tennis pro at this place and get hit on by old ladies. Like, is that what his life has amounted to? But he, he ends the story by saying, I thought my life was over because I I was at the end of my career, but really my life was just beginning because I met Kirsten Dunst. And it's like, oh, that is, that is the line. That is the line. So good. And you just like, his like, it's so cheeky good because like it ends with like his son hitting him like in the face with with a, a tennis racket. Yeah. And it's just, there's so much humility in everything about who Paul Bettany's character is because he's an underdog. Oh, it was so good. And it, it's the kind of movie where it makes it reminds you why it's good to be alive. Yeah. Oh, that's what love. a good rom-com should do. So, uh. so, Ryan, tell me out of five, what do you give this? I think... Like I want to give it a four point four seven out of five. I don't know why I'm, Whoa, I'm like splitting hairs, but like four and a halfs are usually for like Star Warses or you know. You're giving New Hope not a five out of five. No, a New Hope gets five, but like Return of the Jedi gets four point five. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's like right below Return of the Jedi for me. Okay, I'm gonna give this a solid four point five. Love this movie. I loved it when it came out. I loved it when I watched it in college. I loved it. Like now when I saw it again, I, I was worried that I had like rose colored glasses, like for America's Sweethearts. Right. I watched that in college and I was like, this is a funny movie. Yeah. I thought it was going to be another thing like that. I was very worried that that was going to happen. Cause like Wimbledon on IMDb has a 6.3. Does not like, deserve that. <laughs> and I was like, I think this is one of those movies that Kelly had a great night with his friends when they watched <laughs> this movie and like cuddled with a girl the whole time uh-huh. and probably remembered the movie being really good where it's just maybe just okay. But no, the movie's fantastic. Fantastic. Um, yeah. 4.5 for me would watch again yeah. and again and again. I want to go play tennis right now. That's- yeah. I, I don't want to play tennis, but I'll watch you. <laughs> Great. Um, let's just kick it on over. Um, excuse me. Let's just whack it on over. What? No. Let's just go to trope talk. Okay. And we're back with trope talk. It's like jock talk because it's a sports movie. Yeah, it's there's a sports jocks. movie. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know the jock straps. The, you know, the jock and jockey. Is, and you, that's what okay, I was thinking. What, what came for? I bet a jock came before a jock strap because it's jock like, this wears is a strap a, for a jock. Yeah, the jock wears the strap and it goes around his jock, right? Is that how oh, it Oh, is that what that is? Is, is that... Wait, I so always, if you're a jock, you're just a dick? I never knew... <laughs> 
I never needed to wear one. I was always nervous that was in my future that someday I would incur an activity that required a jock strap. Sure. Never needed one. I didn't either. In all the sports I played, I never wore a jock strap. I did wear a cup in baseball when I was younger. Makes sense. Yeah. Because baseball is there. So we're talking about sports rom-coms. Yes. Well, and particularly sports movies and rom-coms and how those two different genres follow a very similar, like, hero's journey. Yes. In a way where it's like, start off, you're not in love, you slowly fall in love, and then you climactically declare your love and from then on are, like, successful in whatever that love is. And in rom-coms, it goes... (laughs) Yeah, right. And and in sports movies, it kind of has a very similar thing. And when you combine them perfectly, like in this movie, then it's just extra magic. Yeah. I just watched a sports movie that is very stiff compared to this. What is it? Uh, Chariots of Fire. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Here's your music, obviously. Uh, thank you, Mr. Vangelis. So, I love you. What, what made you want to watch Chariots of Fire? My wife made me. Oh. <laughs> She's like, you haven't watched Chariots of Fire? I'm like, no. Was it as good as she remembered? Yeah. And I was like, no, this was good. It won Best Picture that year. And I'm like, I can understand the nomination. I don't understand why you beat, I think it beat, I mean, it was the 80s, guys. It was wild. Yeah. Um, But I did like it as a sports movie overall because there's a few things that I liked where both Wimbledon and Chariots did this, where it would take a moment and because it's cinema elongate it and it's interesting in chariots of fire because it's a sprint it's the what's the really short sprint it's a half lap it's like a quarter lap uh that 100 yards i think it was a hundred yard dash dash, 200 yard dash and so it's over in a few seconds yeah but But, so you have to slow it down yeah and so the way that chariots of fire really stretches it out and like makes us understand the torment of those moments giving it all in Mm -hmm. that and this movie does a great too because in the match it's making these moments feel a lot more dramatic than they are when you're watching from way zoomed out. Right. Because not only does the camera work bring us close to Paul Bettany and like make us feel his feelings, but I really do think that narration is not useful most of the time, but in something like this to get into his headspace, I need that there. Yeah. And so I, all I need from a sports movie is the question of why are you doing this mm. and what are you doing it for? And that movie does a great job because in Chariots of Fire, you have two characters. One is a Christian showing that God designed us to be champions and he wants to show that. And I was like, I get that. I understand why you want to do that because his family's all missionaries. He's like, no, I need to run. I don't need to go to China. I need to be a, a racer. I'm like, I, I get that. I get that point. Uh-huh. And the other character is he's Jewish and he's proving that he's not inferior and he mm. he's a champion too and he should be taken seriously. I'm like, I get that too. And so- Is it, is it set like but around they never the 40s or something? Yeah. yeah it's, okay. it's 1930. 30s and they're never pitted against one another really but Mm -hmm. they they make a nice pair i guess sure um and i just wanted them both to win because i cared about their cause now and it's funny because in this movie or in romances i guess you don't really need to know why they're falling in love but you do because it's obvious because when you look like kirsten dunce i'm like yeah i would fall in love with her um but i i think more than that love is one of those things that the more you explain it, the less it feels. Right. Um, whereas I think 
elucidating sports is it's much more useful to your your genre but i i think what when when you get right down to it the act of sports is like the act of falling in love you're not going to explain it in the moment to anybody you're just going to do it that's what they're going to see and so watching watching everything run through his head is so much better and i'm glad that they treated sports like sports and love like love in this movie mm-hmm. rather than getting into his head when he's falling in love with her that would have just ruined the magic yeah right? can you imagine trying to explain baseball to someone who's never seen baseball i have <laughs> it's gotta be painful because it's like you just gotta be there oh wait they talk about this in blast uh, from the past yeah because you because must. must but it, I, I i get sarah asked me that every once in a while she's like why do you love me i'm like because I just do. Because I must. <laughs> because I, and that is actually a really good correlation because I must. Because when I'm with you, I must. I, I remember in college once, um, a, a person asked me why I wanted to be with them. And they were, they were looking for a, they had an insecurity and they wanted me to allay the concern that they had. Mm. But I remember in the moment feeling like I, I just do and knowing that that wasn't going to be sufficient as far as an explanation for that moment and how helpless you feel if you're like, (laughs) I just feel it. Yeah. I don't have any words to help me out right now. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's why like, you know, my gift is my song and this one's for you. Like it's, Sometimes words aren't the best way to say something. Sometimes mm-hmm. they are. Sometimes you need to tell someone like, like if it's not apparent, these are all of the reasons why. But that's why poetry and art and music all exist because they're able to elucidate something so much clearer than explaining it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, just it, it, it made like a really good harmony of of textures and tastes combining the sports and yeah. the romance here. I like, cause I don't really watch sports that much. And I overall don't really care for sports. I like basketball and mm-hmm. I like baseball, but I don't really work that hard to watch it. Um, but I like, a, I'm surprised at all the sports movies that win me over because at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter what the sport is. Mm-hmm. It's just a different way of getting a thing to another thing or a person to another part of the place. Or it, it all kind of, swirls together if you zoom out it it adds challenge you know you know and we just see them whatever the challenge is becoming champions and i think that's the same with romances of people are people and they're just different and you have different kind of challenges with different kind of people and that's why we keep coming back to love stories because it's a different kind of challenge every time i wonder if i because i've never seen this but i wonder if you could have whoever is in the championship lose at the end of a sports love story. And uh, they did this. It's called Cool Runnings. Mm, that's a not a love story, I said. Well, a sports they, love story. I think they became a family in the end. Don't okay, you? great. No, but listen to my point. <laughs> <laughs> I need to go back and watch that movie. Um, so, like, let's say Paul Bettany loses, right? Mm-hmm. But if, and he's like down on the pitch and he, like, you know, is hanging his head, but then. Kirsten Dunst comes down there and like walks up to him and is like, Hey, I love you. And then like smooches him right there. And he like throws his racket away and just like bends her over and kisses her. 
like dips her. I mean, not, not in like <laughs> a weird way. Bends her over and kisses her. Then we're still in PG 13. Um, but like, is there, I, I think you could, you'd have to be really good as far as a filmmaker <laughs> to make it so that winning was finding your love. Okay. And that matters more. This is my great blind spot. Maybe the greatest of all blind spots, but isn't that what the blind, ending the of blind spot <laughs> for, with, with, with Sandy, Sandy B is no, no, but that, no, not that one. Yeah. Isn't that Rocky? Uh, yes. He, <laughs> so, well, kind of because he ties. I, oh, okay. I mean, technically Creed wins, but Rocky the first one, but wins. it was, it was like by decision. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. yeah, yeah like yeah, yeah. Rocky, Rocky does what he, he overcomes all odds. Yeah. And it's kind of like, it would be like if he made it to the championship here and there was a, there was a decision that went the other guy's way, but it could have gone his way. Yeah. But like he fought a good match and you're right. Actually, that is, that is probably the closest there is. Yeah. But I would love a, I failed. Yeah. And, uh, but I think maybe, I don't know if it can be done. It can be done. Ah, okay. Challenge accepted. Okay. Um, other great sports rom-coms, Cutting, Cutting edge, edge, which we've already done. Pick. I still am not going to necessarily validate A Knight's Tale as a full-on rom-com, full stop, but I'm going to have it on the show nonetheless. Okay. But I think this movie, Wimbledon, is much better of weaving the two genres together. Okay. I'll, I'll give it to you. Like, I... I... <sighs> I'm still think, probably on the other side of that fence, but that's okay. I think that's a sports movie that has a love interest. We're not going to get into the debate here. <laughs> we uh, did that on that episode. Go ahead and listen to. to it. Can you imagine, though, if someone confused this movie, Wimbledon, with Woody Allen's Match Point? Ooh. Don't <laughs> do that, We watched that lovely tennis movie because it has a lot of similar things like uh, tennis pros, uh, beautiful blonde American women... Uh, seducing the tennis pro and that's basically it <laughs> murder, murder infidelity babies out of wedlock london living you know it's you all know. the same <laughs> anyways that's the sports rom-com uh those are the similarities the differences mm. uh, yeah those are them um but you know it's similar to a rom-com as well what? Our Patreon. Hey. Just because there's like lots of romance stuff that we put yeah. on there. Um, this week, my essay that I write is on the relationship between Aang and Katara in Avatar The Last Airbender. Avatar. Um, I, th- there's, there's just like a, there's a really cool arc to that romance that I like. Uh, that is one of the greatest TV shows of all time. Of all time. So mm-hmm. um, I'm excited to read it. Yeah. You should be too. Yeah, I will be. Thanks. Um, I mean the audience, but you can be okay. too. Yeah. We have our poll is thriving in Kelly's favor. Footloose is far and away winning the Let's Dance Man, poll. It is fancy free. It is facing Save the Last Dance, Swing Time, Step Up. And it's not facing Strictly Ballroom because Kelly is an idiot. Wait, yeah, but that's yeah. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, Robin. Again, it's okay that you don't run with me. I forgive you. I'm just kidding. You're not um, an idiot. But yeah, Footloose is is 
in first, then save the last dance, then the other two. I, I think we can basically call it at this point. It's going to be Footloose. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, it could go the other direction. So if you want Save the Last Dance. Yeah, you could come join the Patreon at patreon.com slash romcom gents, where we also have this month's bonus episode, Thor Love and Thunder. Thor Love and Thunder! You still need to watch it. Um, yeah. I've watched it. But it's a thing. It'll, it'll be up soon. Uh, Taika Waititi's Thor, mm-hmm. Love and Thunder, starring my favorite, Natalie Portman. Woo! And my favorite, Chris Hemsworth. Yes. Um, and nobody's favorite, Taika Waititi. Who's what? The- Are you kidding me? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. He plays Korg Take that again. back. I How do dare like, you? I do like Korg. I do like Korg. He's great. I like Taika Waititi. Yeah. Um, but... Yes, that'll be up. And then next month we're doing Gilmore Girls season five. So come on yep. over, join join the fun and ask Ryan to just kick us on over to the next thing. What is it, Ryan? What is it? What are we doing next? Tell me. I'm giving away a Golden Sword Award. She, a blessing from the Lord. God be praised. The Golden Sword. Oh, I I, I, I really want to give this one. Good. Um, I'm giving a Golden Sword to Richard Lion Crane. Lion Crane. Lionhearted Lion Crane. No, we definitely didn't give it to him last time. <laughs> no. Um, the I'm sorry. <laughs> the <laughs> is Golden that what Sword. Is, is engraved into it? <laughs> yeah, because, man, you did such a terrible job <laughs> on Five Flights Up. And maybe it wasn't you because conspiratorially it doesn't seem like you directed five flights up because you did such an amazing job making this movie isn't it weird one of the best like uh, like top 10 directorial efforts this year maybe maybe he's tired i don't know richard we'd love to have you on the show because i i just want to have a candid conversation with you like director to director because i'm not saying i'm perfect either Oh, no. We're, no. Like, we've never done anything near what you've done. But still, I want to know what went right here. And, so right. And what went... I mean, maybe you love Five Flights Up. Maybe we're... Yeah, maybe you're super proud of it. Maybe you're getting ready to point. assassinate us right now. But maybe but you're sending Jamie Lannister. Okay. You po- focus on the positive. Fantastic job. Positive. So the I'm sorry, Golden Sword, engraved on the sword, I was wrong about you. You're an amazing man. Great. I love it. I'm I'm going to give this um, golden sword to Kirsten Dunst for fl- like being so confident in her flirtation. Oh, yeah. Rarely in these movies do we have someone who basically just is like, sup, you want to yeah. have sex with me? We're doinking. And, and the other person's like, oh, I think I could be down with that. And then she's like, great. Well, it's very true to life in Richard Curtis films because, and it's not even a Richard Curtis movie, but this is the best fake Richard Curtis movie I think we have. Yeah. Uh, because that's Andy McDowell's tack in Four Weddings. And that's what Hugh Grant finds so attractive about her is that she's a, an American, a go-getter. Like, she's not cautious and, Ooh, you know, hesitant. She's that, very... Mm. That might be... That could have been a trope that we talked about here. Like, the... The American that breaks through British norms. Yeah, because you don't see this really in American movies that you have the super gung-ho female lead. It's more consensual where they're like, oh, I like you. Maybe we should doink. Let's doink. Uh, but in British movies- I like how you, much they say doink in yeah. American movies. In British movies, when you have American characters, they're always like, rah, 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 going for it. Yeah. Nothing holds them back. Yeah. And like that's 
that is almost what is exotically attractive about us, mm-hmm. which is weird. Apparently. But Richard Curtis says a thing because that's Nine Hill. Julie Roberts is not as gung ho as Andy McDowell, but she's still very like present. That's and makes, love, actually. Um, yeah, you've got your Laura Linney. Well, Laura Linney does kind of go for it, but she does have to overcome no, herself. No, no, I'm talking about the the three sexy oh, Wisconsin babes. All of the, every all, the state of Wisconsin is just <laughs> all into calling sex god. Well, what's the third one here? Um, uh, Notting Hill. I, I mean, that. I I think she, I mean she's definitely the one that initiates the sex, mm-hmm. but it's not it's not in the same way. She's as these she's ones. not as gung ho as no. Miss McDowell. No, but. But yeah, Still, it's it's there. It's there. Uh, was that your golden sword? It was cause to yeah, it's Chris and Dunst. Yeah. Okay, well then ask me my question that I need to answer. It's love fifteen, and time to give out the rom com Oscar. That was such a tennis polite wave. Yeah, I was trying to be like that that tennis guy who doesn't really say anything very loudly. That tennis guy. Do you know another sport where they're like, be quiet, please? Golf. Yeah, that's the one. Absolutely. Uh, I dare Hollywood to give us, I mean, Tin Cup, I guess, but more more golf rom-coms. The Legend of Bagger Vance? Sure. There's a romance in there. Uh, You've had a Sunday where your dad made you watch golf with him all day, right? No, grandpa. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that is my dad's ultra sport that he oh, yeah. is all about. That doesn't and surprise me. It's like, Hey dad, what are you doing? He's like golf, sit down. I'm like, Oh no, <laughs> I have to watch people walk around a lawn for three hours. See, I, I like Rory Gilmore's. I, okay. Can I, can I give you my like very short 30 second treatise on golf? Yeah. Okay. I like going golfing. Uh-huh. I don't like the style of golf. Mm-hmm. I like dressing up in the, like, as if I was in 1910s golfing. Oh, yeah. Um, and so I'm the opposite of basically every golfer these days. I don't like the broiness of it. I like going out there and just having a good walk and every once in a while hitting a ball. Like, but you want to play golf as hobbits would. As hobbits would, or as, like, Rory Gilmore says, like, uh, I, I'm going to play the quote here. What do you know about golf? That it's a good walk spoiled? Yeah, where it just ruins a good walk. But mm. I, I, uh, but <laughs> but most of golf culture is stupid. Um, but I enjoy a good hey golf. Hey, man. My, and it's expensive. It's it is. expensive, man. It's, it's, it's elitist, but so can tennis can be like that, too. No, you can go play tennis for free anytime. No, I know. But there is, there is the cliche of tennis being a upper crust sport. And it 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 really yeah. isn't, but it does have this like snooty reputation alongside. I think that's golf. because you do have like the the tennis can be played at the club, right? Right. Um, so my Oscar is I'm just going to stay on brand. Best Direction. Oh, nice. Yeah, on Brando. Mm-hmm. Best Direction. Wow, for the year. I love that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give this best cast. Yeah. Yeah, because you've you've given it out before and it's just you have every everything was perfect perfectly cast in this movie mm-hmm. down to the james mcavoy's mm-hmm. um especially the james mcavoy's yeah um i'm gonna break tradition and i'm gonna ask did we have any letters hey Flo. huh mail come got mail for you oh pete you've got mail 
You sent me a letter. You've got mail. Of course we did. We got a letter from Janu. Rhymes with canoe. Friend of the show. Mm-hmm. Thanks for thanks for giving us a review. Uh, she said, literally the best rom-com podcast. These gents give us the love, love of cinema, love of their families, love of their friendship, love of support. Just a couple of creatives genuinely enjoying movies and each other's company. There aren't enough stars. 11 out of 10 do recommend. And... Janu, I know that we put you on here all the time, but that's only because you're awesome. You are amazing. We have much gratitude, and thank you. If you want to give us a review like Janu, see what I did there? Uh? Uh, uh, um, go on over to Apple Podcasts or like whatever place that you listen to podcasts. Just do the good stars. It Some, really helps us out. Somebody gave us a one star, and it's like, yeah, I get it. Maybe you don't like us, but not cool, dude. Um, and I, so if you want to balance that out, please... It, it would literally make our day because yeah. I've been it, having that made that made my yeah, day when I saw it because I've been having some hard days lately. <laughs> I need some help. Are you doing okay? You um, need to talk it out. Uh, we can talk later. I'll okay. be okay. You'll be okay. You want to send me a five it, star review? That'll really help. Would it help if you fell in love with somebody? Yeah. Can you tell me who you would fall? Oh, in love hey, with? no, I, you got to uh, do the letters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are there any circumstances in which uh, the two of you might be more than just good? The truth of it is, I loved you from the first second I met you. But mostly I hate the way I don't hate you. Not even close. Not even a little bit. Not even at all. You have bewitched me, body and soul. And I love, and love, and love you. I know. Paul Bettany is super charming. Yep. Super charming. Yep. Um, you fall in love with James McAvoy. I get it. <laughs> um, James McAvoy's friend with the camera. She seems down to clown. Ooh. I'm not going with her. Um, she loves chat rooms. <laughs> that like, was a very 2004 thing to say. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's a very, like, definitely the weird girl in a Richard Curtis movie. Very much so. Would, you know, do that. There's always one. Yeah. Um, going with Kirsten Dunst. I don't think it would last because I think she'd be a little bit too much for me, but I think we'd have a good month. You would together. fall in love for a month? Yeah, we'd have okay, a good yeah, month. Yeah, okay. um, but she'd be like, let's go for a run. I'm like, I'm going to stay home and watch this movie again and again and again and again. It's called Wimbledon. <laughs> it's called Wimbledon. We're just going to watch you in it. Can you show me that part where you were in the shower one more time? One more time. Uh, I'm going with Paul Bettany. I just think he is not un- not only unendingly charming, but especially we get to see his hero journey in this and it makes me respect him. Mm -hmm. And I also think he's going to be a great dad. So yeah, he really is. I'm here for it. Well, imagine Reezy funds in the, uh, James McAvoy role where he's just like, Oh, he's the Welshman playing a Brit. Oh, it would have worked well too. It would make me very happy. Um, we need to pick our next movie. All right, give me a number between 1 and 732. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> uh, 45. No, 40 for, like, love. Oh, 40 love. Yeah. Uh, Is there love on 40? Okay. Um, I need to look it up because there's two titles here. On the same line? Okay. So the movie's called... What if, mm, but it's mm-hmm. got an AKA. It's also known as the F word, which oh. I'm really glad it's called what if, because the F word sounds like a terrible title. 
Hmm. But the logline the logline on IMDb is Wallace, who is burned out from a string of failed relationships, forms an instant bond with Chantry, who lives with her longtime boyfriend. Together, they puzzle out what it means if your best friend is also the love of your life. Oh. Starring Daniel Radcliffe. Oh, heck yes. Zoe Kazan. Oh, who and you love. You gotta love him. You gotta be afraid of him because he's Adam Kylo Ren Driver. <laughs> he loves nachos. <laughs> That's what that scene is from. Yeah. So you you know at least that. Uh, so that is next week. What if, a.k.a. the F word, um, adapted from the play Toothpaste and Cigars. Ooh, we've been having a lot of ad- adaptations lot of, from plays. A lot of weird titles these days. But I love, I like I like all three of those actors, so mm-hmm. I'm here for this film. This is Daniel Radcliffe in 2013, so in the midst of the end of Harry Potter. Okay. Like Harry Potter's coming to close, he's figuring out what's next for him. Yeah, this is like around the horns days. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm. I'm... <laughs> I'm really, really here for Daniel Radcliffe these days. I want, I want to write just projects specifically written for him. I want to write just anything for him, like even if it's a letter, letter, like, a love letter. Read this. This is for you, Daniel. Um, well, Kelly, I love you so much that I would challenge you to a tennis match, even though, oh. even though I may lose. Oh, well, I love you so much that if you walked into my suite, I'd be like. You can stick around. What's up? You, you can hang out. I'll be naked. <clears throat> and this is where we will say goodbye. Ryan and Kelly must bid you adieu. Thank you for listening to our review. Rate and subscribe. We'll even take a bribe. So see you next week on the Gentleman's Guide to Rom-Coms. <laughs>